I got my lights with my camera in action When I'm done, drop the mic You know that is my fashion Hey, hear me out on my debates Hearing the feels like it's my last name Keeping it real, but that can cause pain So if you cannot take, then stay out the baits Drop the mic, drop the mic We talk about some sports and we debate without a fight Hey, yeah Drop the mic, drop the mic If you tryna learn sports, you came to the right mind So drop that, drop that, drop that, drop that Hey, drop that, drop that, drop that Hey, drop that, drop that, drop that Hey, don't catch a fight with me Come and debate, drop the mic with me Hey. That is right. You are listening to the best sports talk show, period. It is Dropping the Mic, and I'm your host, LaRon Fields. I'm joined by my co-host, Brenton Wilson, and we are recording from the Alamo Top Realty Studios. If you're ever in the market to buy or sell a home, log into www.alamotoprealty.com. Click on Agents and find your boy, LaRon Fields, and I'm sure I can assist you one way or the other, however you need me to. Today's episode is The Drop. We are prepared to drop all kinds of sports and knowledge, news, and thoughts ranging from the NBA, WNBA, NCAA college football, all the way down to the NFL. Brent, what's good with you this week, my man? What's going on, everybody? Another good week rolling. The sports world is moving like always. I'm excited about the NBA. You know, the bubbles getting to the playoff time, the play-in games, uh, hit a little bit more of the March Madness style, you know, college football, not doing so well. Some of the cancellations, you know, just the sports world's good. I'm ready to talk about it. So am I, my man. And you know, it's been, it's been a little bit of a light week, right? Yeah, basketball's keeping us afloat. Uh, football, it, it ain't there yet. Like, I, I know they're getting ready to camp. There's some small bubble talk there. Baseball's had a few brawls and suspensions and cancellation of games. They're still working their things out. They're now talking about a bubble. We got uh, hockey just started last night with a five-overtime thriller. Uh, they're getting their thing going on, trying to catch a little bit of that from here from time to time. Uh, WNBA's percolating. And I don't know if you know this, Brent. They only got a 22-game season, so they're almost halfway done and their bubble concept before they hit the playoffs. And then, you know, we got the NCAA football, and that's just been a hot, hot mess. And we will definitely unravel and uncover all that drama. Uh, we also have the – oh, that chime, you know what I mean? NFL talk. Yes, we have some things we got to get there. We're going to do the off-season review. But up first and always, the NBA is up on the drop. Nate McMillan and Brad Stevens both signed an extension – um, me personally, I think it's good for both teams to keep stability. The only thing that I have a problem with right in this Brent is Nate McMillan only got a one year extension. Supposedly there's rumors that he wasn't supposed to come back, but I guess COVID kind of saved him. TJ Warren kind of saved him. And I'm sitting there thinking like, how y'all going to just do this man that wrong? Like you're, you're an organization or franchise that doesn't like to spend money at all. You may lose Victor Oladipo. You may lose Sabonis, he, even though he signed, you know, right? So it's like all these little factors, it's Indiana. And you only give the man a one-year extension. They've been making the playoffs. Then you got Brad Stevens in Boston. He signs his extension. I don't know all the details yet, but I'm sure it's not for one year. Yeah, Brad, well, Brad Stevens, he know he got more than one year, and he deserves it. I really like Brad Stevens as a coach. He's a good young coach. Uh, he gets the most out of his players, but I think he's more built for coaching uh, players like Tatum, 
uh, Jalen Brown that are not true superstars yet. Because we saw how the thing with Kyrie went, but I'm not sure who can coach Kyrie. So I'm not going to hold that against Brad Stevens. But I, his attention is deserved because with the way Boston is built, I think he fits that. Yeah, but the Nate McMillan thing, I'm not sure the Pacers understand the big picture. Like, you didn't keep Paul George, right? You don't hold superstars well because you don't want to spend money to bring in more superstars. So what's the smartest thing a small market franchise can do? Have a constant. San Antonio kept Popovich through everything. Pacers should have kept a constant with Nate McMillan. Sign him to three, four years. Let players see, hey, there's a constant there. We got something to build around. But if you don't have a constant coach, small market like Indiana, you don't have anything to build around. So I think it's a bad move not giving him a better extension. I definitely concur. Moving along. So someone just dropped 50 large for opening his mouth, making a comment. And you know what? I really do think it was in jest, right? Draymond Green gets suspended. No, I'm sorry. Fined $50,000. Brett, can you tell me what this man got suspended for saying? He said, get my man Devin Booker out of Phoenix. Listen. not lying. Well, listen, should he have said it? No. But he was on TNT, and this is what I hate, right? The NBA has these cozy relationships with the networks. They want players to go on there to boost ratings and make it seem like it's a fraternal situation. Sometimes players just talk to be talking, and they don't even mean nothing by it. So who's 7-0 in the bubble? Phoenix Suns. Who is their head coach? Monty Williams, right? This dude can flat-out coach. So it's one of those things where I'm saying – Let's let this percolate. Yeah, they've been mismanaged, right? Like, this is the organization that hired Luka Doncic's national team coach the year prior to him coming into the draft. And then the draft comes, and the owner decides, let's draft DeAndre Ayton when you get ahead of Luka Doncic and you needed a point guard. And then so his coach got hung out to dry, got fired. It, it makes no sense. It's like you're in an apple orchard looking for grapes, and you're not in the same place. And mind you, the owner of the Phoenix Suns is a University of Arizona graduate. Where did DeAndre Ayton go? University of Arizona. It's those kind of knucklehead things that drive you crazy. People want to talk about players, but they never get to talk and bash about the owners unless you're in the local market because you know the ins and outs. So my question to you, Brent, is does the NBA go too far with some of these fines? You know they do. So like you said, you're on NBA on TNT. You're going to be asked certain questions and – as when you go into an analyst role, who's supposed to be like, hey, can I say this? Should I say this? No, you're breaking down players, you're breaking down games, you're breaking down franchises. That's your job at that moment. What, what kind of tampering did he do? Did he, did he say bring him to Golden State so we can win a championship? And I mean, you sort of asked to say, do you think you're going to get fined? He said maybe on the show. Like he knew it was coming, but how do you reel that in when you're doing your job on that role? Let, let them speak because NBA players live in, the, live in the NBA world, obviously. They have a lot of good insight. But if you're going to find them for tampering and different things, you limit the insight they can bring because they're scared of what they can say. It just doesn't make sense to me. Hey, just to piggyback off that, I don't know if you saw, but in the bubble, right, it's been getting a little friendly in the bubble. And I don't mean like friendly, friendly, but – I don't want to say we're going to have the apocalypse of the next super team forming out of this bubble. It could. I don't want to say it won't. But the NBA is kind of having teams distance themselves because they've been too friendly. Um, part of that, I think, is good. But also out of that, we've seen the beef between Beverly and Dame Lillard and Paul George. So it's going to – when the playoffs actually get started, I think right now the bubble's been just entertaining, right? 
it's been this basketball's back, sports is back, will it work, won't it work? We answered all those questions. We're about to, and we'll talk about this here in a second, we're at that point where the apex is about to hit. Because when you get to a playoff series and you got to play that same team night after night, it gets chippy. And then the difference is, right, when you're actually at home, you sleep in your own bed. And that opposing team sleeps in the hotel bed. Now, if you foul the dude hard or hit him the wrong way or cross him up or embarrass the man, you got to eat with this man. You got to breathe the same air as this man for a long time. So that's going to be an interesting component to this whole bubble that I can't wait to see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm pretty excited about that because, like you said, you go home to your own bed, you go to your family, you unwind, you talk to your kids, you talk to your wife, you unwind as a home team. Now you're going to go back and see the players that are frustrated with you at the opponent or that you lost. There is no getting away from it. You're going to live in this the whole time. When you have a bad night, who are you going to talk to? You don't get to go home and let your kids, you know, unwind with your kids and get it out your system or your wife. No, you deal with it face to face, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. What is going on? I cannot wait to see when it, when it starts to unfold and these teams have bad games or you see the person you're competing against walking somewhere. It's going to get interesting. It's a March Madness AAU style thing. Well, you know, you're going to see these people. You have to deal with them. But as when you become professional, you forget how to do that. You don't have to do it anymore. Now you're going to have to do it again. I like it. I, I do too. So you brought up something interesting off air that we wanted to bring on the podcast. You asked me the other day, who are the top three players in the bubble? And I was like, man, um, I mean, I've been paying attention, but it's like, uh, I had four guys, but I had to know you said three, like my four, I'm going to start from four up and I'll tell you, you'll find out who the three are. Number four for me was TJ Warren. Um, they were like, well, why do you number three? He was scoring all those points. He was, but their record and their positioning isn't as good as the other three. Um, I look at the walking triple double and Luka Doncic. He was my number three. I look at uh, number two, Devin Booker. You go seven and zero in the bubble. Actually, he's my number one. I, I take that back. Devin Booker's my number one. I got Dame Lillard number two. Dame Lillard is willing his team into the AC. They're there. They're there now. We're gonna cover our playing game status here next, but he's willing his team to a playoff spot as we knew he would. Right. Um, so I got to give Dame one, Devin Booker two, the longest winning streak of the Suns history for this recent time. We know them to be the Suns. So that's my top three. What you got Brent? So I, I, that's interesting. I like it. I like the Luca one. It's interesting to me. I left Luca off because what Luca's done this year has been special. He's been special all year. I expected it from Luca. So I, I, didn't, I didn't think he – what he was already doing is kind of similar now. It's kind of like the Giannis or LeBron. If they were dominating, I'd be like, they're not a really top three in the bubble. This is what they normally do. So that's why he didn't make my list. But T.J. Warren's been special besides when uh, he had to go against Jimmy Butler after all the drama and then he didn't show up that game. That was his only bad game. But I had him at three just because he's been consistent besides that. Then at two, I had Booker. Like I said, took over the Suns franchise record for the most 30-point games in the history of the Suns. Past he out better than my man Charles Barkley. No, no shade at Charles Barkley though. Um, so I like that. And like I said, seven and oh, chance to make the playoffs. I mean, Phoenix came when I when Phoenix came, I looked at them like Sacramento, you know, they're just there, get a couple games under them. They're a younger team with Aiden Booker only being 23. You know, I thought New Orleans would have been in this situation, maybe trying to go seven and oh, doing something special, but apparently Phoenix took the took it a little bit more serious, you know. Uh the Pelicans was just there for a vacation because Zion limited minutes. They didn't want to be here, bottom line. And then my man Dane, 
Patrick Beverly and PG want to start the drama. Skip Bayless jumped in, and then Dame just go drop 51 and 61. I mean, he was already averaging close to 30, and I think after that, he's averaging 37 points with nine assists a game in the bubble. I mean, I think it's clear he's my number one for a reason because the dude's been special. Hey, that's a wrap on the top three bubble players, but that doesn't stop the bubble talk for now. Playing game statuses, Brent, you know what it is. We don't have to talk about the East because it's the least exciting and it had the least amount of teams ready to go to the playoffs. So in the West, it's down to four horses. We got Portland, which we talked about. We got the Memphis Grizzlies. We got the Phoenix Suns, which we talked about on a tear going 7-0. and And we've got the San Antonio Spurs. Let's make some predictions. Who do you have getting the eight seed? I have Portland getting the eight seed, hands down. I mean, ever since that uh, Clippers debacle, Dane's been on fire to get them there. I think it stopped with one more game. I think he does one more game, finish it out correctly, and I think they're in the bubble with the okay. eight seed. Well, well, I mean, well, they're in the playing game at the eight seed. Okay. Um, and who, do, who will they be playing in your estimation? So they're going to play Phoenix because 7-0, let's just make it 8-0. Booker, just another 30-plus night, doing what he's doing, been special. And I think I was really – so, first, Giannis with the foolish head, but not going to play. But he probably wasn't going to play anyway, so I mean, he's going to sit out the last game. But I just don't think Memphis is built for it. Every time I see a big game, I'm like, Memphis can pull it out. This is what they need to win. They're not pulling it out. So, I think Memphis loses. I think um, Phoenix sneaks in. And then, I mean, I think San Antonio beat the Jazz, but I don't think it'll matter because uh, I think Portland and – um. Phoenix will both win. So that's what I think I'm going to see going to the playing game. And let me give you my predictions before you get into all of yours. I think Phoenix wins the first playing game, and then I think they lose the second. But I think Devin Booker has a big first game, and then I think Portland and Dane put him away in the second game. So I think Portland will end up getting eight seed to play the Lakers. So what most people don't know, and maybe they do, but the format for the playing game is the ninth seed has to win two games, and the eighth seed just has to win one game, and it ends the whole playing game. Um, here's the thing. Uh, I'm down on the Grizzlies right now, but all they need is one win, right? Um, they play the Bucks without Giannis, and it's possible they could beat them without Giannis. That's one guy they don't have to guard, but I, I can't, I don't know if I can put my eggs in that basket. The Spurs and Jazz, you alluded to, the Spurs have played great, and then this is going to ask, have them ask a lot of questions. They did the four, four, four out, one in concept, they didn't have Lamarcus Aldridge which is a telltale sign of where that franchise is going. Um, Trailblazers play the Nets, and the Suns play the Mavericks. Out of those four matchups, the easiest matchup, in my opinion, is the Trailblazers have to play the Nets. The problem, though, is the Trailblazers, C.J. McCollum is injured. He's hurting. They, you, you know what they say, right? Like, it's just like T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren had 53, 34, 30 this. And then he had a 12-pointer. Do you think the Nets, like we said before, will be petty and have somebody just, like, box and one him all night and deny him the ball and just be play spoiler? Like, what do they have to lose, right? They're not playing with their top guns. So, I don't – I mean, it's hard to make a prediction. So, I'm going to just throw spaghetti on the wall. The sun seems sexy. They seem like the Cinderella story. Let's go with the Suns at the nine seed. And I'm going to go with Memphis at the eight seed. I just – I don't know. Like, I could be wrong, right? But I'm going to go Memphis and Phoenix. I would love to see Phoenix. I think it would do a lot for that franchise. Um, they deserve better. And, and I like Monty Williams. He's been through a lot. I don't know if you remember the tragedy. He lost his wife, his family in a car accident. Um, so, 
I'm going Phoenix and Memphis. Phoenix and Memphis it is for me, sir. That's what it is. Okay, I like it. All right, so that wraps up the NBA talk. Over to the ladies, WNBA. Brent, you got some news for us about the WNBA and Twitter. What it is that those two have in, have in common? So if you hadn't seen, so the WNBA and Twitter has reached an agreement where they'll get 10 live regular season games this 2020 year. And I'm just, I'm just proud of the WNBA. They're taking different avenues that the men's game and other sports aren't taking. They're going to Twitter. What is the number one platform for social media? It's Twitter. So put them on Twitter. You got people watching on Twitter, people following the live stream. You got tweets popping everywhere, taking over the Twitter news feed. It's big for the women. It just helps the, uh, the women's game grow. And I plan on being involved in all 10 of those games. And it comes as part of a big effort to bring the fans closer to the live game action. So get on Twitter, social media platform, the number one, one out there. Plus you're getting to be more involved in the action. It makes you feel closer to everything. I think it's a big win. I hear you. Look, it starts, it kicks off tonight. We're, we record on Wednesdays, y'all. So it's a Wednesday. Uh, that, that first Twitter game is tonight. Um, Brianna Stewart and the Storm, they take on the Atlanta Dream. They're both minus their guards. Uh, that's part of the injury, injury update for this week of the WNBA. Sue Birds should be coming back. Kennedy Carter just went out with, the, with an ankle sprain. Diana Taurasi went, went out with a hip injury. So we, we have a few players banged up. And as I said earlier, the WNBA season is normally 32 games. This year it's 22, so every game counts. And there's a little bit of attrition going on already with injuries, as we talked about Sabrina Inescu before. But the league is still shaping up. It's still competitive, and it's still fierce. So that's that for the ladies. Want to show them some love. Up next, on the drop, NCAA college football. Hot mess you, baby. <laughs> Not the last chance you. Hot mess you. It's a hot mess because you got conference coaches talking out their butt cheeks, talking about, we're going to play this fall. I don't care what they say, Scott Frost. Dude, shut up. Who, John, Jim Harbaugh, what are you talking about, man? Like, come on, fellas. Like, Brett, like, we talk about this off air. We talk about it on air. At some point, somebody's got to be the adult in the room. You can't let the kids run the insane asylum, and these coaches are out of their freaking mind. What do they want to do, play each other? <laughs> We're going to play football. In the, if, even if the Big Ten doesn't, okay, Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh, yeah, let's just Michigan and uh, Nebraska for 10 games. Doesn't even make sense. Uh, this whole thing, like I said, hot mess, perfect way to look at it. I mean, we have three conferences still trying to play. What, what, is the, what kind of college football do, playoff do we have with just three conferences? Do we consider it legit? Hey, are you aware? They can't, they can't like, they cancel bowl games. They, can, they have already canceled playoff games because you can't have a playoff game with two conferences not a part of it, right? Like, it's just crazy. And you got, what, ACC, SEC, and Big 12 pretending? <laughs> what does it even mean? Did two, team, two conferences want to play in the spring? What are you going to do, play in the spring, play your 10 games, and then say, what, you're the conference champion and you're the MVP of our conference. I mean, what do we go with this? I mean, if we don't have the power fives and then some of the smaller schools having a chance to get in, like the Boise States and schools like that, what do we really have? I mean, if they can't even be on the same page, it doesn't even, I mean, it's just like you said, a hot mess. Everything's chaotic. It doesn't seem like anybody's on the same page and know what they're doing. Somebody needs to get it in order and they need to be on the same page. Cause I mean, it's just, it's just a mess. Well, again, I'm glad the, university presidents, the academia, academia people use brains. It comes down to lawsuit, right? 
if one player dies and it's found out that the coronavirus um, it, it, it caused it, then schools would get sued. Now, I've said this long ago. They don't do a good job protecting players when there's no coronavirus and there's injuries. I don't know if you're aware of this, Brent, but I've had a friend play Division One football, several of them, and if they ever had an injury, you know whose insurance they use? They use the player's parents' insurance before they use their own insurance. What kind of nonsense is that, right? And then when you get a doctor from a university that um, takes care of the athlete, it's almost as bad as a professional NBA or NFL doctor. Who do they get paid by? They get paid by the university. So who are they going to side with? The university. So don't listen to all this smoke out there from the ACC and SEC talking about the doctors drive our decisions, but they work for you. <laughs> I'm listening to the national scientists say, hey, not a good idea, wear a mask, wouldn't be in big groups. And then to hear the blasphemous of the Big 12, we could still make nobody's, all this huff and puff, right? There was a point where six teams in the Big Ten, Big Twin, Big Ten had to stop their summer camps because people tested positive. So I, I don't even know why we're playing this game. Now, I know there's challenges during the spring season. I know there's downfalls, right? We talked about this before. Sports betting already stopped. So that's one industry that's going to take a hit. We know that small towns that are college towns that live for those Saturday uh, tailgates and people come, alumni coming back are going to take a hit. We get that. And we feel our heart goes out to them. But it's a pandemic. It's not an epidemic. It's not an episode. It's not a halftime. It's not a timeout. This is serious. And you got to put health and safety first. I mean, simple. I mean, player safety is number one. I mean, I wish it was just two things they could focus on. Player safety and uniformity. Why can't we get all the conferences, the Power Five and outside the Power Five on the same page? Let's just do the same thing, uh, you know? And if eight conferences, 10 conferences say, or Division Two say we're counseling for safety, why is the ACC, Big 12, and act like they have some special, special thing set up that's going to make them be safe? If you don't have a bubble, bubble concept, you're not going to be safe. Let's just be honest. Nothing else has proven to work. So I wish they would just say, let's be honest, player safety first, uniformity. We all on the same page. We play one season in the spring together. We try that, and that's our best hope for now. Because this split the seasons, some in the fall, some in the spring, it's just not smart. It, and it's pointless, right? Like, not, the only best thing to come out of it, it, you can showcase your conference better. But I'm at the, I'm at the point, look, the MAC, they postponed. Mountain West, a group of five has postponed. Uh, UConn, UMass, their independence, they postponed. Division two and Division three have canceled. FCS, six FCS conferences have canceled. The FCS is not even having their playoffs because they're like, that ain't fair. We don't have enough teams to actually say you made the playoffs. Um, Old Dominion in Conference USA is like, ah, nope, we're done. I just want people to realize when they're sending their kids to these colleges, these are the things you got to ask. The, you got to take a look. Who's doing what? Who's doing the most talking? Who's looking out for the best interest of your child? Keep an eye out on this. With all this talk, right, um, all this limbo college season, it leads us to another season. And this is where the, the flip side happens. You have an amateur sport where people don't get paid and you're trying to force them to make money for you. Then you have the NFL who can do it because they're paying people. If you're going to risk your life and get paid, that's totally your freedom and your choice. Um, the NFL is working its way. But before we get there, we got the spring football league. What you got on that, Brent? So I'm really liking this. So uh, it's a six-team 
tournament. I really like stuff. We it's a tournament style for football, and they're taking it to Las Vegas with a bubble. Doesn't that seem to be the key for sports right now? The bubble. You put them in a bubble. You keep them safe. You can make it interesting. So we're taking uh, NFL players that are not on rosters. We're taking some of the Division One uh, college football players that have opted out or that's you know that's going to get preparing for the draft. Put them in a tournament style play inside the bubble. So I mean, it's, it's a lot of really interesting things here. First, you're giving these players preparing for the uh, NFL draft a way to still play football, a way to play football safely, and a way to compete against. NFL level players before you're in the NFL. And so I'm like, it's taking all the talent we want to see in college that we're losing some of it, ex NFL players, putting them in a bubble and doing it all in Las Vegas. I just think it's a really smart plan because we get, to, like I said, we get to see the bubble concept applied to football and we still get these guys a chance to play that want to play without playing, risking themselves in college football. I really like it. Hey, that sounds good to me. And, and I love that, you know, they're doing it in Vegas. That's a nice place. I know the NBA had considered doing Vegas, but on in hindsight, like I was really hoping it was Vegas. Just Vegas is just like that city, though. Um, but in hindsight, I really think the Disney complex worked out the best for all that they're doing for the players. So for this spring league, I think Vegas works. Uh, six teams. It's not a lot of teams. 238 players total. Hey, let's get it. Now, on into NFL news. I want to start off with this one particular coach who cost the franchise dearly lost his job this offseason, but has resurfaced. And his words, not mine, he says the New York Giants offensive coordinator job was too good of an opportunity to pass up. I'm talking about Jason Garrett. What do you personally think about Jason Garrett and his coaching style? So, well, first, let me say this. So when, I, when he says too good to pass up, maybe he said the only decent job offer I would get. That's what he should have said. But of course, he's going to say, yeah, it's too good to pass up. But he wasn't a great offensive mind with Dallas. Tell me when the offense was just taking advantage of all the weapons and putting Dak in great situations. Tell me what Jason Garrett did to show you that he could even be involved with the offense was a good thing. So why did he just say, uh, I, took the, I took a job because it was the only thing I probably was going to get that was worth something. And I want to stay, you know, try to beat the Cowboys or something along those lines, but too good to pass up. That's just the answer that he gave that it wasn't realistic. Well, you, you know, he, he's not going to talk about it, about Jarrah. <laughs> who was finally popped up in the news with his weak excuse of a man response, but I won't even go into that. Um, yeah, he's not very innovative. It was funny. That's why he was hired. If you Cowboys fans out there can remember correctly, because sometimes y'all have revisionist memories in history. Y'all still think it's 1996 and it's 2020. Um, it was the choice of Jason Garrett or Sean Payton. And Jerry acted too slow, lost Payton, and was settling for Jason Garrett. And he's been Mr. Average, Mr. 8-8, eight and eight, Mr. Clap, everybody, all the nicknames you got for him. Uh, offensively atrocious. I mean, never had a real identity. Never utilized, like you said, players to the best of their abilities. Well, he would do it in spurts, right? Either they would be down by 21, and then he'd come up with a game plan, or they'd be up by 21 and lose a game because of bad management. Hey, the Giants already messed up. They got a rookie head coach that was a special team coach, don't know how that happens. And then you get Jason Garrett's offense coordinator. Kudos to the Giants. Um, in other NFL news, um, the Bills have extended their coach for six years. And that's a good thing for them because he's a solid guy. Sean McDermott, he came from Carolina. He's a defensive-minded guy. The Bills defense has been top-notch. Uh, the, the organization has more of a 
presence now, right? And then the AFC East is for the somewhat taking, but they're competitive. So uh, that's in that news. What we're going to talk about now, right, to wrap up the show, we're going we're gonna to do some grading, right? We're going to grade the offseason. Uh, they call it the offseason for a reason, and the reason is to make your team better. Let's see who did that and who did not do that. Brent, for you, you are yeah. a – you're a Patriots fan. Hold on. Slow down. The number one free agent I want to go to first, because he's been stealing all the headlines, working out with no mask, down the 813, all that good stuff. How would you rate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting Tom Brady? I'm going to give it um, a minus. I mean, I'm not going to say it's the greatest pickup because this is not Tom Brady in his prime. And I mean, I'm biased. Automatically, I'm, I'm on Brady's side. I'm biased. But I mean, we've seen arms not as strong as it used to be. He's better than people want to give him credit for still, but he's not the Brady in his prime. But I think it was a great pickup for the Bucs. I mean, they have weapons. They have the they have a nice tight ends. They have Mike Evans and Goodwin. They have nice receivers. The offensive line is pretty solid. Arians is a quarterback guy. I mean, maybe not a quarterback guy for somebody 42 that's not very mobile, but, you know, I think the weapons around him, I think the Buccaneers will be really good. I'm predicting – I'm predicting a playoff run for him. I'm not going to go further yet because we'll see if the season gets far enough along for us to have that discussion. But I'm really feeling good about the Buccaneers picking up Brady. And give him a chance to do without, to see what he can do without Belichick. Let me throw that in there too. Belichick gets a chance and he gets a chance because I think they both need this to finish off their legacies. Listen, I'm giving this a flat out D. Not for dumb, maybe for don't know, but. I call it the double entendre, right? He goes from no weapons to super weapons. There's always that fallacy of this. We saw it with Joe Montana. He left San Francisco or he was forced out of San Francisco. Steve Young stepped in. We see Tampa, we see Tampa getting Tom Brady. They call him Tampa Bay or Tampa Tom, whatever they want to call the man, right? I can see them leading them to the NFC Championship if this was a regular season, no COVID, right? And losing in that game, a la... Joe Montana. Yes, you have more weapons, but I don't know if, like you said, I don't know if he can hold up. This division is different than the AFC East. You got defenses over there. And if he takes the right hit, he could end up how he started his career. Somebody could be replacing him because he got hit too hard. You remember that's how he started his career, right? Drew Bledsoe was rolling to the right and then whack on the sideline. I want to say it was LeVar Arrington knocked him out. Starting on broken, gone, Brady enters, never left the, the game since. So, for me, it's a D because I don't know. We'll see. Speaking of quarterbacks, one went from the West Coast in the City of Angels to Indianapolis. Philip Rivers signs a one-year $25 million deal. What grade do you give that? I'm going to give it a B-. minus. I mean, I like Philip Rivers, so he's taking $25 million. He's smart but I just don't think he went to a much better situation. I mean, Colts, good, good pickup for them. Get him for a year. You know, I think it's an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett, even though I do like Brissett, but I just don't, I'm not sure what the Colts were thinking long-term with this one. I mean, a one-year rental for a team that's not going to win the Super Bowl, what sense does it really make? Listen, here's where you're wrong. This was a great move by the Colts. I give it an A. Here's why. This is where I thought, Tom Brady should go. The offensive line is one of the best in the league, if not the best. You have a running game. They drafted Jonathan Taylor, so they got a running game. They drafted Michael Pippen, they got receivers. They got a tight end. 
they have a defense, right? It was blueprinted for Tom Brady. Because see, the thing is with Tom, right? And I hate to go back on this, but the expectations now went out the roof. Philip Rivers' expectations just don't throw interceptions. You can hand the ball off. Safe throws, good throws. You got a great coach and Frank Wright who can make that happen. So to me, this is a better signing than Tom Brady. It's realistic. It's one year, $25 million. And you're talking about the future. Well, they can go free agencies available. Heck, let's say if Dak and Dallas don't work out and they let them go. That's a landing spot for Dak. There's enough room to get a free agent to keep it moving. Or uh, next year, there's only three teams that really need a quarterback. Okay. Let's say you got draft capital. You, up and you, you go up and you get your quarterback. In this case, who knows? With COVID, Phillip Rivers may be able to come back another year, and you're good. Maybe you still hang on to Jacoby Brissett. We don't know. But I still give this an A from an off-season move perspective. I, I'm with you partly. But, like, the key of everything you're saying that you're missing, you're saying one year. They're, let's say they're not going to win next year. Let's just be honest. They're not going to win. So if you said two years – Maybe two years with an option or anything else. I'd be like, hey, like you said, defense, running game. They're building something. Great offensive line. Give them two to three years. Let's see what can happen. In one year, nothing's going to happen. He's going to be gone, and you didn't really gain anything. I think if you, this would have been a better move for longer, in my opinion. Well, the thing is, you're, Tom signed for two years, right? It's not like he signed for 10. Philip Rivers, he could sign another one-year deal next year. The door's not closed. They're just being realistic, and that's all I'm saying is they have time. Um, next offseason move. It wasn't a move as much as it was a movement. Um, Drew Brees. Now, this is going to go like a sandwich. Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, and Drew Brees is somewhere in the middle. I'm not a fan of Drew Brees being in Seattle this long. I'm sorry, in New Orleans this long. But I understand it. I think it's time for the New Orleans Saints to cut the cord on Drew Brees because at the end of the day, he runs out of gas in the playoffs. Money time. So you keep signing this dude to $25 million contracts. It's like, uh, he's the problem. So you have to move on. Now, I don't think Taysom Hill's the answer. I don't know if Jameis Winston's going to get snaps because they're trying to groom Taysom Hill. We'll see. But to me, re-signing Drew Brees, you had to do it because your team is loaded right now. Your team is literally, and this is how I felt about the Colts, I think you're ready. I think you're ready to do something, even if it's just for a year. And I agree. I think they had to do it. I mean, like they're loaded, they're ready. But I think, I think Drew Brees, just what he means to the franchise, what he means to the city, you know, just his impact, his legacy in New Orleans. So I think even if it's probably time to go in a different direction, groom the next guy, just what he means to that franchise in that city is going to keep him there for that's why he got the two more years i feel like it's just he's he's a staple there so you don't change you don't force him out it is it's a bad look and so they went with the good look and kept him in because of the legacy behind him i think brent how many super bowl championships do you get for legacy and good fit for the organization and the city none this but, is why san francisco said joe we love you it's a business this ain't personal uh up next steve young chip chip so it's, yeah. it's business, not personal. I didn't say the move was good. I said the reason I think they did it. Of course, oh, I, said they, yeah. I said they should move on. But, of course, they weren't because of all the legacy, what he means to the city. They stuck with that, even though probably been smarter not to. Are you sold on Taysom Hill being a quarterback in the NFL? I'm not. Not at all. <laughs> Look, you know, I'm hoping my guy Jameis Winston can uh, shine bright like a diamond. Next quarterback move is Ryan Tannehill. He stays in Tennessee. He's a Titan for four years at $118 million. 
I give this a grade of D minus. Um, lightning in a bottle, overreacting. Not to say Mariota was the answer, but lightning in a bottle. And I think it was a safe sign because they knew they couldn't get Tom, although I thought this was another great fit for Tom. Um, it was a don't overreact, but react. What do you think? I agree. Dumb move. I'll give it a – I may give it an F. I mean, you got Derrick Henry. You got – you know, it's a franchise running back. The defense is solid. Why not go out there and get a solid quarterback to try to put you over the hump? When has Tannehill took anybody over the hump? Do they really believe this guy is the guy for the next four years? Let's be honest. This, I mean, and the Titans had made a lot of bad moves that I would call out, but this was a two steps back for me on this one, when they could have took at least a step or a half a step forward and when we're picking up a veteran quarterback that could actually lead them to something. Brent, why do you make me do this? Now you're going to make me like the guy. See, I can't agree with what you just said. For one, I said he's a safety net. Like, you say, go get another quarterback. Who was there to go get? They didn't get Tom. They didn't want to be left at the altar empty-handed. Your choices were Mariota, Tannehill. You couldn't get Dak. He's, he was franchised. franchise. What quarterback was on the move other than Teddy Bridgewater, right? Two, and, two years, less money. Why four years? That's a long lock-in. And, th- and when they want to get rid of him, it's going to be harder. So I'm just saying, hey, if you want to keep the safety net, which I, I, I'm okay with, less years, less money. That, they went too big. Well, I, I don't know if you could – I hear you. He has a good agent because he did get $62 million guaranteed. So all in all, the cap hit won't be that big. Um, so if they have to get rid of him two years, I don't think it's going to hurt him that bad. Uh, next up, um, offseason move that – didn't really raise – it shouldn't have raised anybody's eyebrows because the man's terrible. The Bears trade a fourth-round pick to the Jaguars for Nick Foles. Um, most people say it's a grade of a D. I say it's a grade of an A because Mitchell Trubisky shouldn't even be in the NFL. I don't have enough time on our show in my life to go back over this. If you don't go get Nick Foles, somebody else is losing their job. I give this a grade of an A um, for a short term. He was overpaid in Jacksonville, but he may be the savior in Chicago. I, f- I feel the exact same way as you. I'm like, Trubisky's, the dude is just bad. It's one word. He's a bad quarterback. So I'm with you. Nick Foles, you saw what he did in Philadelphia. See if he can pull off some of that magic. Hey, you got to have somebody that you like, hey, he's done something. He's won something. He can give us something. So, I mean, I think it was a easily a smart move, and I don't know why it's getting – people are not as high on it as I would expect. They're kind of low on it, which I thought is kind of weird. So, the next one is the discount. Todd Gurley signs for one year, $5 million, Atlanta Falcons. I give this a grade of a B. It's not sexy, but it's cheap, right? And if he is anything back to his form from two years ago, then you got to steal, even if it's for a one-year rental. Now, with COVID on board, it kind of takes away the discount and the benefit and the deal, but and all in all, this is a grade of a B to me. I'll even go and say an A minus because, like you said, it's no risk. Not a lot of money invested for the Falcons, no risk. And what if he's solid? You got your money worth. What if he's anything like his old self a couple years ago? You got to steal. So I'm like A minus because you took zero risk. It reminds me of something Belichick would do when he gets these people that still have some talent at a very low price. So I think it was a really smart move for the Falcons. Speaking of which, he did get Lamar Miller for a steal. So the right. the Patriots added Lamar Miller for a steal. He used to be with the Texans. He got injured a couple years ago. He hadn't really bounced back. Now he's ready. So next up, 
did the Cowboys have to give Amari Cooper $100 million over five years? Some people say this is an A minus. I say this is a C. I get it. Um, he's, he's a decent wide receiver. I don't want to say he's, a, he's not your D hop. He's not your Julio. In big games, I can't find this man. When there's a physical quarterback playing press, adios Amari Cooper. He's not there. You play in a team that's playing off coverage, bail, zone, he's going to eat you alive. Precision route runner, but he's just not physical, and $100 million is too much. If you'd have said 65, 70, I'm like, perfect. So, for me, I, I just can't, I can't swallow it. Yep, no, I'm with you. B minus, but typical Cowboys move. Let's pay a tier two receiver, tier one receiver money. Julio Jones could get $100 million, but not Amari Cooper, but they went straight down the path. We can't lose him. We're going to give him DeAndre Hopkins money and respect and give him $100 million, like you said, and he'll do the same thing. He'll put up big numbers against meaningless opponents, and when you get to a lockdown corner or a top defense, he's going to give you 10 yards, 30 yards, something, something that doesn't fit a $100 million man, and that's, that's what the Cowboys do. They overpay. Sticking to wide receiver. Two of them up next. DeAndre Hopkins traded for a bag of chips, a pickle, and a blow pop. Bill O'Brien was out his mind. The Cardinals were probably thinking, did we hit the lottery? Yes, you did. DeAndre Hopkins is a Cardinal. You pair him up with Kyler Murray, Larry Fitzgerald, and a few of their young receivers with their running game. I like this is a double A plus for the Cardinals, and it's a triple F minus for the Texans. I got two simple statements on this one. A++++ for the Cardinals, fire O'Brien. Only two things that need to be said on that one. All right, next up, Stefan Diggs goes from the NFC to the AFC. The Bills upgrade the Vikings trying to recreate themselves. Um, there, was, there was that tension last year between Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and Stefan Diggs. I think it also had to do with the offensive coordinator, who's now the head coach of the Browns. I think the system didn't work because he's a run the ball kind of coordinator. And this is foretelling to see what's going to happen in Cleveland, because if he's a run the ball guy and your receivers aren't eaten, you know how divas can be. Right. So for me, this is a grade of a A for the bills and a C for the Vikings. I won't even give the Vikings a grade. I think it was just time to move on. So they did what they had to do. So I'm good there. Sometimes in NFL, you know, the relationships are just over, you move on. But yeah, for the bills, I would go with the uh, A minus because I don't want anybody to overtake my Patriots, but the Bills are the closest thing in our division that can. Defense is crazy. You talked about it with McDermott earlier, defensive guy. So defense was already solid. Get a receiver that can get out there and make plays, see what they could do. And hey, you gave, you gave yourself a chance to win the win that division now. So I like it. So for me, here, here's this next one, right? Chip game. Chip on the shoulder. You've been done wrong. Running back. Melvin Gordon, two years, $16 million. He goes from L.A. Chargers to the Denver Broncos. This, for the Broncos, is a coup. Now you got Philip Lindsay and you got Melvin Gordon in the backfield. And you got a young quarterback. You got young receivers, young tight end, decent O-line, defense is trying to rebuild itself with Vic Fangio. I like this move. This is A-plus for the Broncos. And for the Chargers, I, I, I can't knock them for it, right? I'm not going to pay you. You try to hold out on me. For some change, uh, you're kind of injury prone or prone to injury. Ah, no. So I give them a, a B for being smart, not holding on and trying to salvage things that don't need to be salvaged. I agree with that. I'm gonna go with a B plus for the um, for the Chargers because it was like you did it to yourself. 
you held out thinking, hey, it would work in your favor. And then Echelon was really solid without you. So you kind of did it to yourself. So, and then the Broncos just got to steal. Like you said, they're young at receiver, young, two young running backs, a young quarterback. I mean, they're building. Melvin Gordon has some experience. You know his skill set. So just keep building, keep building. Broncos could be special in two or three years, I think, with the way they're building. I like it. Two or three? Look, if this wasn't COVID, they'd have been special this year and to come. Um, my sneaky love it signing this offseason was Emmanuel Sanders to the Saints. Listen, you got Alvin Kamara. You got Michael Thomas at receiver. You got these weapons in New Orleans. And then you add an Emmanuel Sanders to your squad. That's, that just makes – now you need five cornerbacks on the field to defend all these weapons. And that, this is where I'm kind of like with that whole Drew Brees. It's like you're getting all these weapons, like, kind of like Tom. You're getting all these weapons, but will he be there long enough or strong enough down the stretch to make them really pop? So for me, this was the A-plus signing. It was cheap, two years, $16 million. Like he's a number two target. He takes the pressure off of Michael Thomas. They added Jared Cook. Now you got a tight end. Oh, my gosh, I can't. I'm not a Saints fan, but dang, I'm going to be watching them. Oh, they're going to be fun to watch. I really like this one too, A+, plus, no arguments there. And the funny thing is, Emmanuel Sanders is from my district. So I went to Columbus, he went to Belleville High School. So we're in the same district. So we represent the same district. I like to see him do well. I like to see him have success. So he's on a, he's on a franchise that, that wants to win a Super Bowl and he could contribute to them winning a Super Bowl if he, with the roster they have. So A plus all around for this move for the Saints. All right, folks, that's our off-season review of the NFL. We just want to talk about the main off-season moves, not go too deep, deep off into every little trink and trade. Yes, there were other moves that were made, um, but we'll, we'll see those through. We'll talk about them more as the season progresses. We just wanted to give our thoughts the drop on Sports Talk, Sports Knowledge, and you know what it is. It's dropping the mic. Sports Talk, the best talk show, period. Catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know what it is, fam. Keep listening. Keep it locked. We love to have your feedback. That's a wrap.